2: Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all of the shows in the Major Spoilers podcast network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at Patreon.com/slash MajorSpoilers.
3: The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later.
0: I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo.
3: And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans.
0: In this issue teenage life is easier when you're invincible so we'll check in with mark Grayson. and just as things start getting weird there's a host of news be it movie tv or comics even the fabled snyder god plus our normal rack full of reviews opinions and jim morrison impersonations with a side of all the things you love best we're like the Teen titans only with fewer members wearing shorts so sit back and get hip to the jive cats because the major spoilers podcast is grooving to a stack of dreamy platters and it's on the air
3: Welcome to issue 912 of the Major Spoilers podcast, coming to you all the way from 1952, AM radio at its finest. 1961,
0: thank you very much. (laughs) Bob Haney was a decade behind the times, but the man was a genius. Uh
3: Um, Hey, thanks everybody. Uh, You know what? If you want to hear us talk all about uh, that mystery meat inside the subway tuna fish sandwich, or you want to hear Matthew expound upon the Big Mac, then you need to check out the Major Spoilers pre-show... You should really listen to it right before you listen to this show, but you can get access to it with an exclusive RSS feed that you can add into any podcast player that you have, and you can get those updates when we release them Tuesday night. Find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. For now, though, let's do some news. Ashley?
1: Oh, boy, baby. The day I've been waiting my entire life for finally happened. Oh, yeah? Not only. Are we getting a third season of Titans, uh, which I am pro I am pro Titans, uh, but Tim Drake, my sweet baby angel is coming to the show. Jay Lycurgo has been cast in the role of Tim Drake, AKA Robin, and is described as a streetwise kid who managed to grow up on the toughest streets without losing his belief in heroism. The news comes at the heels of Savannah Welch having been cast as Barbara Gordon in the series. Both of which are very, very exciting. But Tim Drake um, is the most exciting of um, all.
3: Um some clarification, please, if you would, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Tim Tim Drake in the in the comic books, a streetwise kid who grew up on the toughest meanest streets.
1: So here's the thing. I'm very excited about this because he's Tim Drake, and I never thought in a million years, especially after <laughs> Jamie and Wayne existed, that we were ever gonna get Tim Drake and everything. So like that is my blanket <sighs> excitement. Okay. However, J Ly Kurgo is a Very adorable um, young black man. Uh Um, He might be mixed, but he, he appears to be black. He's a person of color. And unfortunately, kind of like when DC introduced Black Wally West into the comic book continuity, he was also streetwise the first time we met him. He was being arrested by the cops. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that we dump this because this description sounds a little bit more like the Tim Drake that we got in Batman, the animated series, who was kind of a mixture between Jason Todd and Tim Drake. Yeah. And we have such a wonderful Jason Todd on Titans. Let's just let J like Who's been on, um, I made a show you the very celebrated HBO show. He's a great actor. Um, let's just, let him be Tim Drake. I get it. Like hackety hackety is boring now that it's 2021 instead of 1992. But I, I hope that also because that Titans lineup, I love them, but they're full of dummies. So they need a smart cookie in the house. Well, so I'm and, hoping that they just let him be the smart. That cookie. Is,
3: that's my biggest problem is when I read the description, I was like, well, they're describing Jason Todd, not Tim Drake. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, give yeah. me a, give me a hacker. Give me a kid that's come from, uh, some money, but his, his family is, is starting to lose it. And, and, uh, He's dealing with things in his own way. I think that would be interesting, especially when you have a person of Mm -hmm. color playing somebody from from money, uh, something you don't often see on television. Uh, But
1: is it isn't an isn't an impossible thing? Definitely exists. I know. (laughs) But still, I I
3: agree with your excitement, Ashley. Hey, it's Tim Drake.
1: Yeah. And look, the descriptions that are written for THR, Variety, Collider, whoever, major spoilers, they're (laughs) all. Meant to get people talking, and it's like very little of what you often read in these breakdowns winds up being who they are on the page. So I'm hoping that this was written quickly and without much thought.
0: The thing, though, about a Tim Drake who's basically Jason Todd is that Jason Todd on Titans is basically Hank Hall but it's okay because Dick Grayson on Titans is basically Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne is 70 years old and Scottish. So
1: uh, I will everybody not have you slander Ian Glenn, he's amazing. I'm
0: not <laughs> slandering him, I'm just saying he's 70 years old and Scottish. He's that is so a, weird, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. The Titans show is this kind of I I you know, I hate to use the phrase alternate universe continuity where everything is different. And mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of each Robin just kind of shifting their stuff to the next guy. So that when we finally do get Damian Wayne, he'll be Tim Drake. Yeah, no, that's and fine. Stephen will like him. I uh, Maybe, oh, no, maybe
1: I'll find like him. I'm convinced that if this goes five seasons, we're just going to get a Robin a season. So next season Everyone. will be oh, Steph and season five. Will be <laughs> oh season.
3: man, we're killing a Robin a season, everybody.
1: And, and Damian, <laughs> I'm saying this right now, Damian better be. Middle Eastern, because Damien yeah. in the comics is Middle East, or yeah. at least half yeah. Middle it's Eastern. supposed
3: to be, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Matthew, you got some more uh, uh, amazing DC news for everybody.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, start your countdown clocks as Zack Snyder and HBO Max have announced that March 18th, 2021, we'll see the release of the fabled Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie. So here's here's basically what we know. They've been telling us it's gonna be a ten part series, but that's that's not true. Just throw that out. Just that's the old thing. And now it's going to be a single film two hundred minutes long. So
3: It might be longer than that.
0: Are you ready to spend the entire afternoon watching a four hour cut of the Justice League? Are you? Are you are well, you? Well, I
3: know I not? know PT Barnum had something to say. About uh, the Snyder Cut, did yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, sucker born every did minute.
0: Oh, I oh, we, are oh, we oh, god! We s- did we electrocute that elephant?
2: Are, no, we, that are was we still an pretending? Person. Are we still pretending like this is a movie that has always existed, <laughs> and and not a brand new thing that right? Warner Brothers decided to mm-hmm. pull the lever on at the eleventh hour?
0: I I think they are, or at least uh, Zachary T. Snyder himself is claiming that this is the vision he had and that it was mostly finished. And now he can just add the the polish and the, the you know, the little hats upon hats and yeah. and the, the actual plot that it wouldn't have had then.
3: Yeah. Matthew and I talked about this last week on Dueling Review, or maybe it was After Show or something like that. I think
0: it may have been the After Show.
3: Where maybe. I was just like, you know, I can't, you know, if this was Zack Snyder's vision, that's great. I'm not going to crap on him for Absolutely. But I can also understand that, you know, the terrible uh, life event that that took place that pulled him out of that really impacted how people approach the show, especially after um, the the next person got their hands on it and and mangled it around. So I don't know. I am I am going into this with a very curious, uh, morbid curiosity, and maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't. But I think that HBO Max saw a lot of people coming and was like, "Let's get that money.
0: money, money." money. And you honestly can't blame them. I mean, this could
3: oh, no, I don't blame them on that either.
0: This could theoretically be the thing that really pushes the whatever you're calling the DC live action properties now in the direction that they hope it will be, which is to say successful. And if this movie is the movie that all of the fans of Man of Steel really want to see, that's great. And I want those people to be happy. I have no interest in a four-hour movie. I mean, the, the four-hour movie could literally be called "Here's a thousand dollars and a hundred kisses from Milana Von Troub, Matthew," and I would not want to sit and watch it for four hours. But yeah, if somebody—I mean, if somebody loves this film th- uh, this much. If this film is going to be this much of a draw, then yeah, I want to see it, maybe, kind of. If Steven loves it, I might watch
4: it.
3: I probably if won't Ashley, love it.
0: If Ashley buys it for me and we hang out... It's on HBO pop- Max.
3: If you've got a subscription, you get it for part of your subscription.
0: I, I pay like $280 for my cable bill. Of course I have a subscription. I have a subscription to everything. Yeah, we, we literally have a phrase in Mexico
2: for this. Mm-hmm. It's, ni regalado. <laughs> Which means not even as a gift,
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> not even for free. Yeah,
3: I, I, I <laughs> probably, I probably will not be watching this uh, on uh, March eighteenth, whatever day that may be, Friday, I guess. This is probably <laughs> going to be like, eh, maybe a couple of weeks later.
1: <laughs>
0: How about you? Actually, going to watch it?
1: Um, I'll probably watch it eventually, Um, like Harry Potter and the Hunger Games. Um, My love for this movie has been off-put by the fan base.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And, and um, that's, when you yeah. say you can't blame him, I think you can. I think you can blame WB because the fans have been butts.
0: Yeah, it, that's true. Uh, for me, I think... Uh, <laughs> Lo compraré Rodrigo como regalo. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway... All right, so let's let's have a palate cleanser uh, and instead talk about DC movies. Uh, the, <laughs> the COVID pandemic continues to push movie release dates and production schedules, but there may be some hope around the corner as Megan Good, who played the Shazamified version of Darla, said production of Shazam, Fury of the Gods, will begin filming in May of this year with a 2023 release in theaters or direct-to-streaming or both, because who knows what's going to happen.
3: Right, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. I mean, I of all the recent DC movies, that includes the Wonder Womans and the Aquamans and the, the Justice League's Darks and all that stuff. I really got a kick out of Shazam, and my youngest got a kick out of Shazam. That was the first time that he and I went to a movie together, and he loved the heck out of it so much so that he wouldn't stop talking about it for like a couple of weeks and then when it came out on video, he was like, yeah, let's sit down and watch this. And I think he's watched it a couple of times. So I'm, I'm very excited and curious to see uh, what they're going to do with the, with the follow-up.
0: I want to see it for one important reason. Those children need code names. Because I cannot sit here and say, okay, Freddie Marvel and 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 darla marvel you gotta give these children code names give them names they don't even have to be good just something we can call them other than eugene marvel
2: well
3: maybe that's what they'll do
2: hey oh go ahead
0: so so thunderbolt
3: so so exactly there you go hey here's something that might finally get Matthew to play Fortnite G I Joe According to a recent content drop from Epic Games, it looks like Snake Eyes is coming to the game. And if uh, uh, Snake Eyes isn't enough for you, Matthew, how about Predator, the T-800 Terminator, Sarah Connor, Green Arrow, and The Mandalorian? It's all available right now, but Matthew, better hurry, because Season 5 looks like it's going to cl- come to a close on March 15th, 2021. And then I don't know what uh, what happens after that, or whatever the next chapter will be. But it won't have uh, Snake it's
0: Eyes revamped in. by Rob Liefeld. There
3: you go. Uh, Join the conversation about these and many more, dear listeners, over in our Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord for free. Or if you have a Patreon account, you can link your Patreon account to Discord and get access to secret channels that only our Discord members have access to, including listening to the Dueling Review live Thursday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central. Find out more about how to connect your Patreon to your Discord at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. Now that we are done with the news, how about we jump into some reviews? I think uh, I'm going to go first this week because uh, I'm going to review The Sumerian, The Frost Giant's Daughter, number three. And really, in order to get into issue three, I went ahead and got the first all of the issues from Blaze Comics because uh, Frost Giant's Daughter is a Robert E. Howard story. It's a Conan story that... Uh, tells uh, the tale of Conan in the north, in the frozen north, and uh, there are some uh, warriors who are fighting because they want to go and see their love. This this redheaded uh, woman of the north who wears very little clothing, be, even though it's cold, and that means she's special, and they must have her. And Conan comes in and wipes all these guys out, and then he sees this red- redheaded beauty, and he chases her across the tundra, and uh, eventually, finds out it's a trap, and maybe she's magical. There's a lot of sex in in this not not uh, man woman sex, but more of uh, solo sex uh, that goes on in this as Conan is pursuing his uh, this this woman. And the weird thing about this is, if you want to read the original Robert E. Howard tale. It's included in the Ablaze Comics uh, stuff. Matthew and I reviewed, I forget which one that we reviewed not too long ago, a couple of months ago on the Dueling Review, and it also includes the text, which I think is neat so you can see how well they've adapted this from the source material. And I would say, yes, they venture outside the source material, but I think what they're doing is adding a bunch of new layers to the story, and I think they actually improve it. Now, granted, it is definitely an uh, adult-oriented tale, not something you want to give to your kids um, but the art is amazing. The writing is really, really good from Robert, uh, Recht, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he's also the artist in this. So it's really, really good. So comparing to the original text, this is a, this is a big hit, uh, for me. Uh, it is, uh, for anyone who's a Conan fan, uh, anyone who likes the Robert E. Howard stuff and wants to expand upon it. This is something you want to do.
0: Also, I think we read queen of the black coast. If I'm
3: yeah, honest. that's, I, I don't know if it was that one. Maybe it was. Um, but. Um, uh, also, just for comparison, the Frost Giants daughter was the very first tale adapted in the Savage Tales book in 1971, which many people may remember was a mature readers themed comic book of the 1970s, because, again, they had some bare breasts bouncing around in their adaptation of the Frost Giants daughter and now having read the original text, the Marvel version and the Sumerian, the Frost Giant's Daughter, number three from Ablaze Comics. Um, the Marvel one, even though a lot of people point to that and say, look at how great this is, it's really not that good when you compare it to the Ablaze Comics one because there's so much more depth added to the tale that I think fleshes it out and makes it seem more intense in parts, especially when uh, Conan falls down this ravine and he has to to fight off um, um, all these dead people that previous people that have chased after the frost giant's uh, daughter. And so I I think it's really much much better as far as an adaptation goes. I would say that the Marvel comic is a is a short adaptation, but with this one going over 3 issues, it really feels like a complete story. And you can read all 3 of these uh, very very quickly. There's not a whole lot of words. There's a lot of teasing from the woman Oh, come follow me uh, to the top of the mountain Conan if you can and and Conan's like I will take you woman and then, you know, do all sorts of horrible things to her. Um, but I think that, I think that this, this is a really good solid adaptation. I've been really pleased with the Sumerian books that I've seen from a blaze comics. Now they did send me another one, uh, gung ho volume one uh, yesterday, which is out now. And then another one, which uh, the second issue comes out next week, but uh, I'm going to, we're going to have to keep a closer eye on a blaze comics. Cause I think they may be onto something with uh, some of their stuff. I really enjoyed The Sumerian, The Frost Giant's Daughter, number three. Don't just jump into three. Get the first two issues as well. The whole three together, I'm giving four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Very, very solid book. Uh, So so go pick that up. All right. Let us jump back a couple of weeks to something that I was expecting Rodrigo to talk about much sooner. But here we are with Resident (laughs) Alien. Rodrigo's been reviewing Resident Alien from Dark Horse Comics for years now. And now it is a Siffy series. How did how it go, uh, Rodrigo?
2: Um, it it went pretty good. I, I've actually had a lot of people asking me, uh, <laughs> like, hey, you love Resident Alien, you're gonna review this," and uh, I always tell them, "How dare you talk to me?" No, um, <laughs> I always, <laughs> I always tell them, "Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, of course, I'm interested, but, um." Even just seeing the the promotional materials, I was like, this is not the story that this is not the comic. This is not going to be like the Resident Alien comic. And I think what like really clinched it for me is like they were like from the from the producer of Wedding Crashers, I want to say. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's like they are really billing it as a comedy. And it is, in fact, a comedy. Whereas Resident Alien, the comic, is really not. It's kind of a procedural. And this uh, and, and Resident Alien, the show, has that as well. Um, but just right off the bat, I came at it really trying to kind of separate my expectations from what the comic is and what the TV show clearly was going to be. So I'm trying to approach this not as, like, how closely it used to the comic, because it clearly doesn't. There's a handful of characters that are in both. And basically your two main characters, uh, that the titular alien, uh, Harry and Asta, are s- uh, developing a similar relationship that they do in the book, but they're... Uh, by the by the time you get into the first issue of resident alien uh he already has a relationship knows everything and so the the show is really trying to take everything about the comic and just like make it more intense funnier weirder etc so um whereas in the comic harry's already acclimated to life on earth more or less in the show he hasn't he's a huge weirdo and is trying to understand how humans relate to each other Um, over the course of the first episode you find out what his mission is supposed to be something that is not relevant to uh to resident alien for many volumes to the comic for many volumes so uh as far as a comparison it's pretty difficult as far as how the show is it's pretty good it's funny it's really funny um it's really weird alan tudyk does a great job Um, he's a really strong character actor. And in this, he's kind of um, trying to, he's kind of like portraying like, what if Mork was like evil sort of, (laughs) or like, yeah, what if, what would an adult invader Zim look like? Mm. Kind of a thing, (laughs) you know? And I, and I think that's, really where i would put it this has more in common with invader zim than it does with the actual resident alien comic um so if you like that you might like this um you know it like i said it's funny it's good production values are strong but again i'm only looking at the first episode um you know there's like big guest stars coming down the pipe like uh, sarah connor is going to be in it. so, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching more of it. I'm going to give it four slices of meatloaf, like I said. Once I, once I sort of did the mental exercise of, like, this is not going to be a, like, purposefully slow, sleepy, like, Columbo-style police procedural or, like, basically, um, uh, like, uh, crime scene investigation type thing. Um, once I like separated that out and realized that it was going to be a comedy, I was, I was able to enjoy it a lot more.
3: So you're going to continue to watch it?
2: Yeah, I think so. Insofar so far as I don't think it, uh, exists in any of my streaming services. So if I have to specifically go watch it at sci-fi's website, then I, uh, will probably only watch it, you know, in spurts.
3: Okay. All right. There you go. All right, Ashley, uh, out this week, actually out today or tomorrow, depending on or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to it. It's a brand new Wonder Woman as part of D.C.'s Future State. So uh, fill us in on what's going on in this book. Yeah,
1: so I'm reading two whole Future State books, and this is one of them. I talked about the first issue in a previous Major spoilers podcast. So I'm probably going to do that thing that uh, people get mad at me on Twitter for sometimes and review um, the whole series because there's only going to be a handful of them. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed this issue, and it also very much showed me that my expectation of this series and the timeline of this series uh, is pretty much bunk and worth nothing. In the previous episode, we met Yara Flor. we met the little um, fairy lady whose name I can't remember and I didn't know how to pronounce in the first place, so that's okay, who rode her piggy through the Amazonian rainforest and then uh, eventually led her down into Hades, I kind of thought we was going to be living in Hades for a while. Uh, we know that Yara Floor is here looking for a soldier. That's pretty much all that we can infer from the first issue. Um, a lot of it is setting up the world and the mythology and being like, oh, yeah, you know a lot about Greek mythology. Well, how much do you know about South American mythology? None. Hold on to your butts. Um this issue, I think, is more fully setting up who this character is and maybe what's going to happen in this world. Um, in the course of this issue, we um, make it all the way through and out of hell, which is a, a lot of heavy lifting to do in 20 pages. It definitely feels quickly done, um, but it does not feel like we've wasted any moments. The soldier who we met, which is you know an obvious homage to Diana and Steve... Uh, is a fellow Amazonian. She is a woman. Uh, If you remember the original breakdown and announcement that came out about Yara Floor, um, she's described as queer. So it's implied that uh, this is a love interest. Um, We don't really get any confirmation of that either in the uh, brief flashbacks that we get with her or in the present day timeline. Um, But Yara makes an effort to rescue her friend We see her dealing with Hades and Persephone and these iconic Greek pantheon leaders of hell, Um, and then she may or may not be successful. And when she may or may not be successful, um, she is surrounded by Amazonian sisters, none of which at first blush. Appear familiar. Like there's a handful of Amazons that we all know. There's Philippus, there's Artemis, there's Hippolyta. It all looks like a brand new crew, um, which is great. I think it takes a good, if that's going to be a world that we're exploring, that's a good use of Future State. It's giving us less cookie cutter than I think some of the other books are. It's really like blooming and growing. It's kind of like reading um, a very compressed version of the Odyssey so far. Like, if someone Mm -hmm. sits you down and is like, yeah, and then they go to an island, and Cersei's there, and she's this, like, really cool witch who turns men into pigs, and then they escape. Like, that's sort of what reading Future State Wonder Woman has been like. It's been like, and this, and this, and this, and this, and there's a pig. Oh, and they're fighting Cerberus. Oh, isn't that great? Look at how... French cut her outfit is, and because <laughs> Joel Jones is doing the interior art, she's a fabulous artist. And Jordy Belair, uh, arguably comics' greatest colorist, is working on this. It reads as much like a breakneck fairy tale and piece of mythology as possible. I really enjoyed it. Like I said at the top, I like that there are both obvious and subtle parallels to like Diana's origin and her early stories. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't end in the same level of tragedy. We'll see. And, uh, yeah, I think for my money, future state wonder woman is the coolest thing that future state is getting up to right now. Don't get me wrong. I'm loving the nightwing series. God bless Nicholas Scott and the heavy lifting. She does on making all the men in that universe as attractive as they are. Um, and I, I, I would really recommend that even if people don't think they like wonder woman to check out this book. because so I think it's really special, but Oh, boy, um, did they pull the wool over my eyes with what is going to happen. And I love being proven wrong. And I loved every single page of this. So I can't give it, uh, you know, justly anything than a five out of five.
3: Nice. Now, do we know how many uh, issues we're getting? Is this going to be three issues, six issues? What are we getting out of this? Do you do you know?
1: I fully do not. Are we going
3: to? Is this going to be an true. ongoing? Because I we know that isn't she jumping? Isn't Yara so jumping into thought, the uh, Justice League?
1: I thought they were all minis. Future State Wonder Woman, Yara Floor might get her own title because she's also got a CW show. Oh yeah, that's in, right. In development, which was announced basically a week after we got the first drop of the artwork. Um, and and if people are watching Legends and stuff, like they dance around Amazonians and, and Wonder Woman. So I think she she would be a great choice because she's very like obviously very contained. Mm-hmm. But I I think Future State is a limited series. I think they're all either like three or four. Okay. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get like Wonder Woman, colon, Yara, Flo- a la uh, Miles, Mor- Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
3: afterward. that's, but that's we'll kind see. of how Matthew and I felt this past week after reading um, future state Aquaman is that because they're so yeah. far removed from what's going on in the mm-hmm. current DC, they could do their whole DS nine kind of stick, uh, you know, in an ongoing series and no one would miss them.
1: I think I think for the books that pop and the characters that pop and they have plans for I think it would be a missed opportunity yeah. to let them go by the wayside because the ones that people are responding positively to like have a lot of heat behind them right now.
3: Yeah, 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 definitely. Cool. Thanks for that Ashley. Matthew, you get to uh, close out uh, John Constantine Hellblazer Rise and Fall number 3 this week. Rise and Fall. It's the final it's the final uh, countdown.
0: It is the final, very 80s, which is interesting because it was it was the summer of my 17th year when I first purchased an issue of Hellblazer. And I can tell you that 17-year-old me would have loved this. This is old-school Hellblazer. This is the comic that I grew up reading with the addition of words like bleep and bleep and bleep and also bleep bleepeter. And I... I I kind of like that i do i understand that i am known for being the guy who says there's no need for robin to say f and you know, sometimes it does feel very forced but this is john f-bomb constantine so having the language here makes perfect sense and throughout this story the first two uh, chapters have basically shown us an evil demon who is killing the one percent i hate that term by promising them angel wings and then throwing them off of buildings to their death, but stealing all of their money. So billionaires are exploding on the pavement across Britain and John is at the heart of this. And throughout this issue, he's trying to thwart this demon with the help of a woman named Aisha, who is a police officer and the literal devil. And the devil as drawn by Darwin cook is a handsome man. He's a very handsome red-skinned devil in a beautiful three-piece suit. And throughout the story, there's this moment that keeps coming up where there seems to be this, this flirtatiousness between John and Satan. And so eventually, John figures out that the way to defeat this demon, this demon of despair, is to be happy. So the literal devil... Somehow manipulates his dad into saying, John, it's not your fault. I love you, son. Let's go to the soccer match. Oh, excuse me, football. And so John is so happy at this point that he ends up, you know, going and fighting the demon with happiness. And he ends up at the football game. And it's a particularly fraught football game between uh, Liverpool and uh, I, I want to say Everton. But basically, it ends up channeling very british magic and people who are incredibly happy and of course we do get a moment where john and satan have a big fat tongue kiss which hey um you know there's worse things that's happened in a hellblazer story it's perfectly appropriate i kind of like it i don't want to like it but i do kind of like it and this ends with a really very hellblazer moment where john is walking down the street covered in blood and basically declares himself the king and says that everything is effing magic and really for me it's Derek robertson that makes this book sing i mean tom taylor writes a really really good hellblazer story but robinson brings everything to life And it is creepy. There's a a possessed child who looks just like a normal child, except maybe a little tiny bit evil. And then he'll look directly into the camera and be completely evil. Beautiful book, well-written, classic Hellblazer stuff. I'm going to go with four and one half slices of meatloaf. The only thing that keeps it from being perfect for me is the fact that whatever continuity means, this isn't in it. So I can't get another issue of this next month, but really, really strong book.
3: Is it worth $6.99? That's the cover price.
0: For me, yes, but I'm a huge Hellblazer, Mark. Remember, I've been buying Hellblazer books since 1988. I bought the new 52 run, which went from okay to oh my God. So
4: I feel like...
0: Oh yeah, beautiful book. And there were don't get me wrong, there were moments of brilliance in there. Nobody, you know, was phoning it in, but if you like John Constantine's adventures. If you like me, pronounce it Constantine the way his creator intended. If you're a big fat nerd for this character, it's definitely worth 6.99. The quality of the material, I think, and the length of the book, it is 48
3: pages. Yeah, 48 pages. It's also black label, so you're yeah, probably getting it, a Probably getting a cardstock cover if you're buying it that way. We read ours digitally. Expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. What they used to call the, the uh, deluxe format.
3: Deluxe or prestige.
0: Prestige. I believe that it is worth it. Um, again, everybody's going to make their own call. But if you ask me, yeah, it's worth the six bucks.
3: Very, very cool. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Ashley and Rodrigo. Dear listener, if you want to get even more reviews, head over to Majorspoilers.com for all of the uh, of the comic book goodness. Also, if you want to know what's going on at the Major Spoilers podcast and network over on the Wayne's Comics podcast this week, Wayne interviews Jack Fitzsimmons and Jared Prestwich uh, about their new comics. There's a new Legion Clubhouse headed your way in the feed this week as we take a look at Karate Kid number 13. And I swear this will be the last time that we do that. Dan returns to top five this week to take a look at the top five board games to watch in 2021. And on Dueling Review, we dive into the world of Warhammer 40K. Yeah, because you demanded it. Finally, Friday is live.
0: Only because you demanded it.
3: (laughs) Finally, Friday is live on Friday at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time. And you can join to the growing audience of of fans as we wind down the week over there. You can subscribe to our channel at twitch.tv slash major spoilers. So you get the announcements when we go live. And the first big race of the 27th seasons of Drifters is over, and you're invited to the after party on this week's Critical Hit. You can find all of our podcasts at Majorspoilers.com slash podcasts. Podcasts. Enough stuff to fill your ear holes for the whole week. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of filling a, a hole, I, for this week, we are taking a look at Invincible Volume 2, and I cannot believe... We read, like, Invincible Volume 1 on the Major Spoilers podcast, and then over the last, what, 20 years, we've been piecemealing out uh, specific issues, either on the podcast or a dueling review or on the Major Spoilers website. But uh, time to get back into some collected—I think we won't even—this is the only one we're reviewing this year. But, man, I forgot how good these very first issues were. I mean, the entire series is fantastic. But I forgot how good these first issues were, including the fact that there is so much humor in this book. In fact, every um, nine
0: years we're going to come back.
3: Yeah, I'm going to get volume three and go. Man, I forgot how good this was. Yep. And then uh, nine more years after that, I forgot how good this book was. <laughs> um, the nine years after how, that, Ashley's going to be like, "We
0: missed them all."
3: Yeah. <laughs> here's how. Here's how great this book is. In the previous volume, Mark discovers he has powers when he's taking out the trash, and he accidentally throws the trash bag up in the air, and he's like, wow, and that's when we realize he has powers. It's like issue three of this collection in volume yeah. two where the trash bag finally lands in, like, the U.K., and this guy lands right in front of me. He's like, hey, what's this? And he opens it up, and there's, like, Big Mac and, and you know, takeout containers and everything in there. So it's like they probably spent five issues before we had the payoff of that joke. Yes.
0: By the way, it's not that Mark has powers while taking out the trash, while taking out the crash, comma, Mark discovers he yeah. has powers.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. This is because also gotta, the issue where we find care. out that um, that uh, Mark's mom and dad, Omni-Man, and, and I forget what his mom's name is. I want to say Grace for some reason.
0: My but brain's in t- a Deborah? Reese.
3: Oh, Deborah. that's right. No, it. it's
0: Deborah. that's right. Yeah, we find out that Halfway they're still getting it on. Grace, we're fine.
3: Yeah. We find out they're still getting it on quite a bit.
0: Good. I like it when old people get to have sex.
3: And we also find out uh, we find a long lost character that, again, I completely forgot about Mark's best friend. And they go on a college tour together. And he's kind of a dick.
0: William is not a dick. William is a, a person. He's a human being who does not like having his name shortened. And I feel for William. William is my 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 patronus
3: and every 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 time he he turns to mark and says um was i a little wrong there and mark keeps saying yeah you're kind of a dick
0: okay side note that is a real thing it is a oh, real problem oh i know it's Matthew. i'm just saying thing.
3: in this book he comes yeah. off as that so you know apply it to to real life personages if you like i wouldn't but you know other people might How uh, what else you? what else is going on in this book rodrigo that you got to kick out of
2: um I always forget how, like, rectangular and dense they draw Omni-Man's mustache. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, I, I I swear, the first time I turned the page and saw Omni-Man, um, I thought that they were censoring something he was saying. And then I was like, oh, no, that's his mustache.
3: <laughs> I think we're still getting mostly Corey Walker- the yeah, first and,
0: two issues are yeah. Corey. This issue has or this uh collection has the transition from Corey to Ryan Otley, I believe, in issue eight.
3: Yeah. Um I think the other interesting thing that we do is we get the introduction to the Guardians of the Globe. Mm-hmm. Um and then they're summarily uh uh murderized uh mm-hmm. on on, well, I mean, on panel.
0: they they're they're not new characters. They are all Justice League analogues, and that's fine.
3: No no but we finally get to meet them and I think that's kind of cool it's like the guardians of the globe are finally introduced and then we kill them
0: And and you know that's a very Kirkman thing to do Kirkman loves to surprise us and I will rem- I remember buying this book off the stands and I will tell you I thought that it was going somewhere entirely different. Mm-hmm. So when you did have these Justice League analogs pop up and then get summarily executed, I was like, dang.
3: Well, I think, doesn't Eric Larson draw the um, the Wonder Woman uh, bits in the book?
0: The War Woman stuff? Yeah, the no.
3: War Woman stuff. Who, who's the artist so. on that? Because that is not Walker or Otley.
0: I think uh, it's actually Otley doing a very strong Kirby riff. Yeah.
3: Oh, okay. So he's doing that intentionally. It's just, then
0: it's oddly intentionally doing Kirby. Oh, okay. No, I thought that. I thought check. he had talked. Nope. You I thought are he correct. Talked, uh, Mark Inkler uh, and Eric Larson did the War World yeah. sequence.
3: Yeah, I, I figured that because this one, uh, Ashley, and I want to get your feedback on this because this yes. issue also gets uh, Savage Dragon and pretty much every other uh, character that they could scrape together from Image Comics into the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm here for that in a way that i'm not I'm not as here for what something like crossover is doing. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that should be disrespectful. I think crossover is really fun if anyone loves it, a plus. Um, but because this is an image book, and I think also because we know like what Robert Kirkman went on to do in terms of like taking up leadership within image and getting his own imprint like i just think it's really cool and fun and then they go away forever and never come back it is a perfect cameo it's like the x-men showing up in batman hush and it's a nice nod to you know everything that image has accomplished in order Mm -hmm. to allow this book to exist and this is my favorite kirkman book so i'm not mad about it yeah yeah
3: i like the bit where you think it is um you think it's Rorschach showing up, and you turn He turns around, and it's what Demon Man or Demon Detective Jamie or something. Like
0: Demon, Detective.
3: D- yeah, Demon Detective, yeah, Demon yeah. Detective.
0: Yeah, I love that dude. He's one of my favorites because he dresses and talks just like Rorschach, uh-huh. but looks like Etrigan the Demon. <laughs> <laughs> so and it's, it's so basically great. Etrigan the Demon in a dirty trench coat and a, a little trilby hat. It's it's wonderful.
3: Well, yeah, it's great because you get. You get uh, you get uh, uh, joked on, pranked on because you're like, oh my gosh, did they get DC to allow them to put Rorschach into this? And then you turn around and go, umph, and you're I like, rocker. you got me, Kirkman, you got me, Otley, uh, or maybe that's a Walker one. I can't remember. I can't remember who's who's the artist in in which one, but you can tell there's a definite, distinct uh, shift in art yeah. through the through the various chapters in in this book.
0: I think that may be the last Walker chapter. I think it
3: is. I mean, he doesn't come back. He does a couple of things towards the end of the series. Mm-hmm. I think he, he jumped in and did a couple of uh, issues.
0: I think he does a, a a whole arc, but I'm not certain, Yeah, but yeah,
3: yeah, maybe that's it
0: for me. I, I really appreciate the use of a sort of kind of shared universe because images, shared universe is actually seven or eight different shared universes. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, You know, you get that moment where, hey, that's Superstar. Hey, that's Dark Hawk. And I really appreciate when that happens. And it happens periodically throughout this book. Even near the very end, uh, there's an issue called Invincible War, which is basically a 12-issue giant crossover in one issue, where the the heroes are there and all of a sudden Sarah Pizzini, Witchblade, shows up dressed like her very first appearance. And I'm just like, okay, we're in a universe where that happened. But I really love how much this reminds me of the '70s and '80s Bronze Age comics that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is this is basically Kirkman, homaging books that came out before he was born because he was a he was a '90s kid. So there's a lot of '90s in here, but this really feels like '70s Spider-Man. Just. All these simmering plot lines and things in the background and weird characters and the first appearance of the greatest image character in the history of the comic book industry, the 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 perfect character, Alan the Alien. Yes, superhero tester.
3: I've, yeah, man. There's this this volume. What is <laughs> there? Like six. There's six issues or something in this. It yeah. reads really fast, but is just packed oh, with there's... everything. We get the Guardians of the Globe show up. They get murdered. We get the funeral. We get. Alan, the alien, who is going to go on to become a fantastic character, although he shows up yes. and, uh, you know, um, Omni-Man is telling uh, Mark, you know, hey, go up there and deal with this alien. Just punch him for a while and he'll go away. And then Mark's up there and they're punching. and He's like, wait a minute, maybe I can just talk to you since we're com- communicating uh, telepathically. Why are you here? And he's like, yes, I come every three years to test the heroes of your off. And, and Mark's like, you off. This is Earth. And Alan's like, ah, crap. I've been coming to the wrong planet for like 15 years. Uh, I'm going to get so fired.
0: The the best part though is when Mark goes home, sits down for dinner with mom and dad and he's like, "Oh yeah, I fought this alien." Turns out he's been coming here to try and test us. I took the time to talk to him. It was great. And Omni-Man just has this look on his face like
3: I'm going to kill oh. that kid.
1: No, <laughs> he's just like <laughs> he's gonna, he's <laughs> gonna try Yeah,
3: yeah. and mom's it like, never oh, yeah, occurred to him that.
0: to stop and talk to this alien. and i I really appreciate that moment because it's the first real explanation of what's coming. It's the first mm-hmm. instance where we go, Mark is a different kind of hero than his dad. Yep. And it's really kind of, and of course, you know, we get that beautiful moment of them playing catch back to back around the world. Yeah.
3: So here's the thing I forgot. So in, if you watch the trailer for the Invincible Mm -hmm. animated series, which is coming up at the end of March, we get the first three episodes in March. um, There's a scene in the trailer where they are playing baseball and they're dressed in their normal clothes. And everyone kept asking me, is that in the comics? Is that in the comics? I'm like, I think so, but I just don't remember it. That's because it happens in this book. So we know we're getting at least the first three volumes of story told in this first season of of Invincible. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. Also, I'm excited about Clancy Brown as a Damian Darkblood. So there you go.
0: What is the rating going to be on the Invincible?
3: I'm sure it's going to be mature because they do show some bits where people's faces are getting uh, smashed with uh, Mm -hmm. blood and brains flying at the camera. So but are yeah, we going is, to get
0: like you know sexy sexy moments with Nolan and Debbie and Rexplode and all like that? I don't
3: think there's really any sexy sexy moments besides hey let's run upstairs and and have sex. I, well, I, you know I don't think we're going to get nudity or anything e like that. Adam Eve
0: walks in on Rex uh, sleeping with duplicate.
3: Yeah, I'm sure we'll get. I'm sure we'll get that kind of stuff in there. That but I mean, it's it's not. Volume. Yeah, but it's not nudity though. We don't see it, right? She she walks in and she's like gasp, and then later she recounts to Mark while they're in the bedroom together, that, oh, uh, Duplicate and, and uh, Rex were getting it on and, uh, and how horrible this was. One of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm sure that'll be in there. But, I mean, Ooh. with the, I'm trying to, I'm sorry for the noise. I'm trying to go through how uh, Ryan Ryan Otley's um, uh, Twitter feed because, let me get to this in a moment. Uh, I, I, I think, Matthew, we're going to see a fairly faithful adaptation of this. Okay.
0: Um. I would be fine with, you know, a a kid friendly thing. I would be fine with an entirely adult comic because Invincible is both. And Mm. that's the hardest part about it is it's the it's the most adult all ages comic you're ever going to read. So if they're doing it as an adult book where faces explode and we get to see, you know, Omni-Man naked, not that I want to, but, you know, Ashley might. You know, you get to a point where that's fine, but if they're going to do it as a kid-friendly show where we have all these references and bits and pieces where you're like, "Hey, this is like Spider-Man." Um, I don't know. I think that would be fine as well. Whatever we're going to get, I feel like this whole thing will be successful. This is this is oh, yeah, a book yeah. that will be really great in live action yeah. or in animation.
3: And I think this this volume has probably, even though the Guardians of the Globe get killed and uh, Alan the Alien shows up, I think we get, Ashley, the most shocking turn in comic books.
1: Yes. At the end so, of this volume. When this was recommended to me, uh, someone put both volumes in my hand and said, you got to read both of these because the end of volume two yeah. is when the real comic starts. And I... Loved it up to that point. I was like, this is like comic book candy. And that is how you sell this book, because that is very much what it is. It is exactly what you would imagine from like the coolest, most comic booky comic book. Uh, And then the twist happens at the end of the second volume, uh, which was either issued, I don't know, 10 or 12 or something something like like that. that. I want to talk about it because the book's been out for like a decade, but also if anyone hasn't read it or is going to go into the show for the first time, like yeah. it's such a monumental reveal that, and I want people to have it organically that I'm like, do we talk about it?
3: I, I think we can. I mean, the book, the, the whole series is wrapped the series wrapped yeah. like two, two yeah, three yeah, years yeah, yeah. ago. So it turns out that Omni man, um, murdered the guardians of the globe and he has no problem with it. And even though he was, goes to the funeral and feels like, Oh, this is the worst thing in the world that's happened. You know, he murders them and then just goes back to acting normal. And you really wonder, is this a duplicate? Has he got some kind of a uh, double personality that's, you know, sneaking out or is he just pure evil and has been hiding it, uh, you know, among the, the, the populace for all this time.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. He's not pure evil. But I mean, you know, the
1: moment
0: in the first hmm. volume that sells it all is that moment where he's fighting the aliens and he screams, get off my planet. Yeah. And that's the one thing that's the moment that defines everything that Nolan does throughout the next hundred and fifty issues of this book. Yes. And that's some damn good storytelling.
3: Yes. And, you know, the things that come after and his reasoning behind stuff and the way that he does things. There's a method to his madness, but you know ultimately his son has questions about this, and in the next volume they're gonna they're gonna come to blows, which takes me back to Ryan Otley's Instagram, not his Twitter feed, his Instagram. I was on his I was on his Instagram. He's I'm one of the people that I I follow him, and he had an Invincible shot uh, with uh, Omni Man and Invincible fighting, and he's he, the quote is in an Invincible throwback kick lately. The reboot issues touching back on issues I drew over a decade ago was redeeming and reminiscent. Does anyone know what he means by reboot issues? Are they rebooting stuff with new
1: art? There is like a sort of soft reboot within the series.
0: I think that is what he's referring to because they did did a whole arc called Reboot in the 130s where they revisited some of these stories due to hashtag time travel shenanigans. And Mark actually was here and aware of what was going to happen. And it made some changes in the universe that he did not expect.
3: Okay. So that must've been a, an arc that I missed because I read this and I was like, wow, are they rebooting that? You know, right now they're doing the, um, walking dead redux where basically they're coloring everything and (laughs) re-releasing things in color and collections and that. I thought maybe he was going back and redoing art and they were going to kind of time something with the upcoming animated series release to get this book back out into, into the hands of the, of the, the adoring fans who want more invincible. Rodrigo, is there something in this volume that you just despise that totally like turned your nose up and we're just like, "Ugh, I can't believe they did this.
2: Um, not too much, but it does look like oddly possibly puts an end to the little tintin eyes.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. um, Cause I, I, I was not, not crazy about those. Mm -hmm. I I think probably because they weren't, they didn't seem consistent. Right. Right. Um, it's like, okay, now we need him to look straight out. Okay. His little dotty eyes. It's like, now he's looking to the side. That's hard to do with dotty eyes. Let's give him normal eyes. Mm -hmm. And if it's like characters have normal or characters have dotty eyes when they're far away, then that would be fine. But no, sometimes it's a close-up, and it's like this character has no eyeballs; he just has like skin, and has, and somebody has like drawn in a circle with a sharpie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad that I'm pretty sure that goes away.
0: Uh, yeah, but, it does. That's that's a Corey thing. Yeah, and Otley actually, at the very beginning, Otley does a, a valiant attempt to try and draw like Corey but it quickly becomes his own thing. And yeah. So this and issue been, is,
3: and I was going to say, maybe that's why we see a couple yeah. of extra guest artists drop in, in between the two of them. So we can kind of get a transition going to where it yeah, may not separation. be as ab- as abrupt.
0: I think that part of that though, was to just reference, you know, the, the comics of the past, yeah. you know, you like the JSA stories where you'd have, each art team from the, so- the solo books do a two page thing, and then Gardner Fox would team everybody up. But I like Otley better than Walker. Mm. So if you were to say to me, Matthew, what do you not like about this? I'm not really a fan of Corey Walker's pencils.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Uh, you know, it, it, <sighs> what is uh, Walker did, went on to go do what? Uh, Did he go on to do Spider-Man? Did he go on to do some Ultimate Universe stuff? I can't remember.
0: Walker, if I want it. Okay, so this is what I remember, and I'm not looking anything up on this because it's a pain in the neck. I believe Walker discovered that he couldn't handle a monthly book. Oh, okay. And went into sort of semi-retirement. I know Otley did some stuff uh, with Nick Spencer on Spider-Man a couple of years ago. Yeah, and he's still
3: doing a bunch of that stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, Otley is still out and about, so... I think what happened was Corey just basically went, "Hey, I'm not a monthly comic book guy, so I don't know what else he's drawn."
3: He may not. He may have gone in. I mean, I I don't know either. But I know that he's credited as co creator of this series, so that uh, gets him some some stuff.
1: I believe they had a a row, nasty lawsuit over the. Oh, oh really? Okay. Uh, Which I believe is similar to what happened with um, the original Walking Dead creator as well, co-creator.
0: Yeah, when he he was replaced Mm. by Charlie.
1: Yep, that's why you put it in contracts, folks.
0: You
1: lay those rights out right from the beginning.
3: I think the only thing that really kind of uh, bothered me just a little bit is the fact that, you know, this book is, what, 20 years old? And Mm -hmm. there was the part where uh, William is like, hey, can you uh, take me up in the air flying? And then he's like, "Well, this is not gay at all." And I was like, uh, eh, okay. I'm not really super thrilled that they went there, but."
1: Yeah, but it this this is another thing. It's like when you read Green Arrow Quiver, which yeah. has the F word all over it, you got to go whelp. This yep. was, and yeah. this was not now. Yeah, exactly. And we we're better than this now, and we can we we either reject yeah. it or accept it based on its relative merit to the yeah. words that they use. What, what was yeah, something that I, I prefer uh, okay. the
0: whoopie Goldberg, uh, in front of a, a Warner brothers explanation of it It was, it was wrong yeah, it was a, then and it's yeah. wrong now, but we need yeah. to be aware that it yep, happened.
3: Yep. 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 Uh, Ashley, what didn't you care for in this
1: volume? Um, that would be like my, my only major issue with it would be, um, the one that you brought up. I, for the most part, I think invincible is like very, very solid yeah um i think it lags a little in the middle and then ends really really strong Mm -hmm. um but yeah like especially the first two volumes i'm like they're nothing made by human beings is perfect but for an original superhero like this is very close and i think that's why for years we've all been saying give me a tv show give me an animated show give me a movie like Invincible is one of the it used to be preacher, right? That we were Mm -hmm. all like, just make it a show. So like for me, getting to revisit this was an absolute joy and a treat.
3: Yeah, there was a time where we used to be like, give us a flash television series. And now we're just kind of like, Oh yeah, you certainly gave us a flash television series. (laughs) Stop. Matthew, what didn't you like about this volume?
0: I think that this volume suffers from uh, an issue that I run into with a lot of Kirkman's books and that I like Kirkman. I like his take on things. I like the way he looks at things. But there is a how do I put this gently? There is a slightly childish and off-putting vulgarity. That keeps popping up in these pages, like when, you know, the kid who's been half transformed into a robot shows up to pee on somebody's grave. Or, you know, I like the fact that Nolan and Debbie have a sex life, but the fact that it keeps being played like, you know, a Porky's movie where he uses his super speed to redress her before their grown, nearly grown son gets home. I just feel like there's there are moments in here that feel like they're off. They feel like they don't belong in this story hmm. because these first two, actually the first couple 3 volumes are as you mentioned very comedic oriented stories and you get these moments where you know the the blood feast or the references to somebody's boobs or you know the bits and pieces where even the war woman thing where war woman wakes up with her girlfriend and or wife there's something about it that just feels a little, I don't know, voyeuristic. Exactly. That is, the, that is the better word for which I was looking. Thank well, you. Well,
3: and so I don't know. I, th- sure. I I see where you're coming from on that, Matthew. I think that the the second time that uh, Omni-Man and his wife have sex, um, even though it's played up for laughs, I think it also serves as a point to say, look how observant Mark is that he walks in and sees the tag hanging off his mom's shirt. And it's not until they have to do an insert to show us that in the panel that we then go back to the wide shot and go, oh yeah, it's right there. Um, I think that that shows some look how observant Mark is and what a different kind of hero he is, as well as getting a gag in there. But I think that when you go from, you know, high school comedy, look at the happy days, to mm-hmm. what's going to come, and then we go through that arc of Mark when, when going you go into some from... dark times back into happier times and 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 so on. I think that I think that shows some of Kirkman's evolution as a writer, but also Evolution of characters. Where were you gonna say, Rodrigo?
2: When you go from happy days to homicide life yeah. on the streets. When you go yeah. from
3: happy days to Joni loves Chachi.
0: When, you know, when Immortal uh or, you know, or as I like to call him, Super Abe Lincoln shows up <laughs> and is fighting <laughs> Biplane, who's totally not the vulture, you guys, uh he throws Biplane into space to die. Yeah. And I'm like, that that joke is funny on one hand. But it's also incredibly dark and brutal, and it just feels wrong in this context. And I don't know. I, I, I think. Uh,
2: so there's this um, there's this thing that keeps happening where uh, somebody will give a property to J.J. Abrams or he'll develop it. And he mm-hmm. tries really hard to kill the most sympathetic and most likable character right off mm-hmm. the bat. He tried to do it to Jack and Lost. He tried to do it to uh, Poe in Star Wars, and they never let him do it. Like, they're just like, no, this character needs to not die. And so he kind of has already ridden himself into a corner about that character, right? And I feel like this is Kirkman getting to do that, getting to be like, hey, look at this. This is like uh, a sitcom with superheroes, but around the corners you start seeing that darkness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and the fact that the immortal does that it's like yeah you could read it like oh ha ha it's like that guy had already said that he was dying and he's a monster he's trying to basically give cancer to everybody else mm-hmm. and so he deserves that but it's like yeah the nonchalant way in which he just gets thrown into the sun is kind of off-putting.
3: I kind of now that we, you and, know, we're, you're talking about that. And you're rewarded.
2: That. I feel that you're rewarded both. If you feel about it either way, if you're like, oh ha ha. Then the meeting the the guardians of the globe is going to hit you like a truck that you didn't see coming.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and
2: then if you did notice that and you felt like, oh, that was a little dark, then when you hit it, you get like this. I knew it moment. Like, yeah. Oh, this comic is going somewhere. It's getting at something.
3: Yeah. And maybe maybe that is the point, too, because we were talking um, bo-, bo-, bo WandaVision uh, multiple times here and
0: there. Yes. WandaVision. And WandaVision
3: starts that off, too. Right. Oh, here's this comedy where there's a retro throwback. And then they start interjecting these really dark mm-hmm. Theme bit so you know that uh, there's nothing there's something not right with this world and i think kirkman is doing that here too so yeah that's the you know i think that that sets it up and i agree with you on that rodrigo so all right final recommendation time matthew final recommendation for you from you
0: uh invincible all right any volume of invincible up to about volume eight is rush right out into buying frenzy there's a couple in the middle that are kind of uh definitely check it out and then it ends with rush right out into buying frenzy. This volume is rush right out into buying frenzy right now. You stupid jerk. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you buying this comic? Why?
3: If you want to get a, a, a hand and wrap your head around what's coming up with the animated series, I think the first three volumes are going to be must haves. And this is really great comics. This is good stuff. This is good art. The colors in these, I just love the colors in Invincible Uh, I say that this is a must buy the first three volumes and especially volume two must buys Rodrigo final thoughts from you.
2: Yeah, i excuse me. I fell off of invincible at some point just because I was buying trades and kind of missed one. And then, you know, I think like the economy tanked at some point. And so I stopped buying it, but I probably read about four or five volumes and those are great. Like I, 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 can't i i aside from the some of the stuff that we've brought up uh, pick up invincible it's good superhero comics it's it's like kind of what i want marvel and dc superhero comics to be very often which is like a contained story a story that's going somewhere as opposed to just like passing it on to the next guy
3: yeah yeah uh and you know we talk so much about oh this happens this happens this happens this happens This is all inside of a book that's, what, six, maybe six issues long, if that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot. Ashley, we're giving you the final say this week on Invincible.
1: It's sort of ironic that we did this this week because I am going back and starting to move um, my series Aurora and the Eagle forward. Finally, after a lot of holding pattern stuff, and I have been revisiting... Uh, Invincible specifically as inspiration and highlights as to what to do with an original superhero when you are not at Marvel in DC. Uh, Invincible does all of that so, so well. I think Steven made a great suggestion in if your only interest extends to the shows and what this is going to look like an adaptation, uh, or maybe you weren't as completely wowed by our enthusiasm as I hope you were. Like The first three, I think, are required reading for contemporary comic book fans. And uh, if you want to go beyond that, at least make sure that you get to the episode uh, with Eve's house in Africa. Because that Mm -hmm. moment lives in my brain rent-free to use the format that the kids are using right now on Twitter. So yeah, this is Volume 2. Go get it. Go get it now. The great thing about Invincible is uh, the trades are out of print uh, or cheap. So I would honestly recommend picking up the first Omni uh, and then deciding if you want to go on from there. It's also very affordable for an Omni. It's a soft cover. Uh, You throw it at someone, you'll kill them. It doubles as a weapon. Why not spend (laughs) some cash on it? Yep.
3: Great. Thank you for that, Ashley. Ashley, where can people find more of you?
1: Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V. Robinson. The V is very important. Please send me cute pictures of Tim Drake. Uh, You can find me in the Major Boys podcast feed in addition to here on Geek History Lesson. And if you're not subscribed, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Just go over there. You get all of our Amazing content, uh, and please continue to support Super Best Friend. That's on Kickstarter at superbestfriendcomic.com. There's only two weeks left. Uh, we're heading towards a stretch goal, and the book is fun, and so it's definitely going to happen. If you like original superheroes, Jay Cinnamon's got a good one for you.
3: There you go, Matthew. Where can people find you?
1: You can find me at
0: Mida King Cobra on the Twitter doing the nerdery thing that I do. Please send me pretty pictures of Jean Grey, especially in the green miniskirt. Uh, but for God's sake, no more Squirrel Girl people.
3: All right, and Rodrigo?
2: Uh, you can find me at Fearsome Critter on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me uh, enjoying being just a player on
0: Critical Hit.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great stuff coming out there. That wraps it up for this issue. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for being part of the major spoilers experience.
0: As always, we love your feedback. We want to hear from you. So use the comments section at major spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to Invincible and this episode.
1: Or even better, send us an email to podcast at com.
0: And don't forget, you can support
2: this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash spoilers.
3: We will be back next week to talk The Kingsman, The Secret Service. Why? Well, it's The Kingman, The Secret Service. And I guess we know that you love comics and we do too, and we'll talk with you soon. <laughs>
4: What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stark raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Be in the Middle East With a king, Santo throwing soldier what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, wow whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast
3: is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.